Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Hey, Lions. How's it going? I'm going to immediately jump to an important story that I need to share with you because I want you, after several episodes of crapping on me, to praise me for this. I have been struggling with what the hell the name of this game is. Do you know what the name of this game is? Super Super Ghouls and Ghosts? Yeah. Do you know what the NES game, the, the prequel to this was called? Uh, Ghosts and Goblins. Right. And the amount of restraint it has taken me to not try to research an answer <laughs> to why those things are different <laughs> is overwhelming. Like... Because every, every time somebody was like, you know, oh, what are you playing? Or like when I, because, you know, I've been doing Twitch streaming. So I have to like type in the name of the game that I'm playing. I have to stop and think like, okay, it's super ghouls and ghosts. And then every time I have to think about the title of the game, I also think, why did they change it? And I'm sure yeah. there's like, there's forums everywhere right now of people talking about why this has happened. But I didn't look at any of them. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I am I am so happy that my persistent and petulant <laughs> demand that you be more ignorant has finally come to fruition. I feel like that this is a story of like we're like, yay, we did it, but we're <laughs> celebrating a terrible victory because we're celebrating forced ignorance you know where it's like hey praise me i did a good job it's like yeah here's a pat on your back and uh and go ahead and just drink this kool-aid and we'll just move on from there you know but no we don't do research on this channel let's <laughs> yay so Woo! um also happy halloween by the way before i forget yes happy halloween and uh this game has not just the amazing halloween not coincidence we planned this on purpose for once but also <laughs> What was a happy coincidence is that this game was a listener request from two different listeners Ooh. who specifically were like, hey, you should play Super Ghouls and Ghosts. See, I had to look. I had to literally <laughs> look at the top of my notes. Um, so, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, also, uh, just so I can say that I didn't forget, uh, this came out um, actually around Thanksgiving time in 1991. So earlier than I thought. I actually thought this was a little later. Hmm. Yeah, no, actually, that's that, that's about where I would have guessed it. But um, I, I whenever we do a listener request, I'm always a little worried because I'm afraid that people have requested it because they love the game, right? Or or because they have really strong nostalgia goggles for it. So you know, when somebody's like, "Oh, this was a listener request," request, and I'm like, "I I didn't I didn't like this game." I hope there's still a listener afterwards. Here we go. Not that that's necessarily going to happen here, but. It is always a little, I, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to crap all over this thing you love, but that's kind of what we do. Well, and I mean, there's always the, any any chance for misalignment, right? Where we play a game because someone's like, you know, oh, this game is super hard or it's super unfair. or There's this one part in the middle that everybody hates. And like, if our experience doesn't line up with their, like they're, you know, holding their breath in anticipation, right? Then there's like that, that concern of, of the disjointed 
the way I try to quiet that screaming anxiety monster is by thinking about it in these terms. Uh, when someone requests a game, because we actually selected this game separate from the fact that when I was looking through our database of games, I was like, oh, this is also a listener requested this game, right? So so we didn't, you know, one led to the other, not the other direction. Um, but I like to think that if someone asks us to play a specific game, it's because they want to hear what we have to say about it, not because they're just hoping we are going to either have a great experience exactly like theirs or a terrible experience exactly like theirs, or they're hoping we're going to have a certain kind of experience that, that's, that they just, they just want to know what we thought. And yeah. I can't think of any other good interpretation, so I have to go with that one. Yes, exactly. And so because with no data and nothing to, to back up what you've said, but it makes you feel better, we should absolutely go with that. Yeah, obviously. I mean, in the yeah. in 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 the complete absence of data, then and with the risk of me being wrong, being that I'm just wrong, it's not like no one will die. There there won't be any the additional knowledge. super ghouls. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a n- nostalgia experience for this? Uh, yeah, I do. So um, this was a game that I know I rented a couple times, and then there's just a long flash of white like in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where I must have just either been so bad at this game that I just totally blocked it out. Or I was so bad at this game that it didn't occur to me. Like I was projecting that the game must be wrong. Like, no, the children are wrong, right? Like <laughs> I, I I know that I had played this game as a child, but I, I have just a complete blank of, did I like it? Did I hate it? Did I play with other people? What did I think of the music? Like I have virtually no details, but I'm positive that I played it. And because of some of the things we're going to talk about when we talk about the game, I really feel like my brain may have just been like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) just, I just not even store those memories. Mine is actually kind of similar where I I know that I played this. I believe one of my friends owned it. So, you know, when we would go over, it was one of the ones where it'd be like, Hey, what do you want to play? And it was like, Oh, let's play super ghouls and ghosts, you know? And, uh, and so like, I'm picturing, you know, walking in and saying like yeah let's play that you know so we slam it into the snes you know and we're talking it's like oh yeah and and school was weird but like our audio is slowly dropping out to like a high-pitched ringing you know (laughs) in the scene right it's like yeah so so what did you think about what happened in school today and it's just and then the picture quality just slowly fades to white like right as the title screen goes and then it's just all white because the the one memory and this is this is interesting the one memory i have that i can remember so clearly <laughs> is losing my armor mm. and i think it's because that happens so much that it's like or you could die or you could die or you could die you know like that's just the one thing that my brain latched onto to be like you remember this because you saw it a bajillion times but uh but that's that's my nostalgia experience is is knowing that i played it and my brain intentionally intentionally just taking that memory and putting it into a box and then just putting it into a far corner of my brain. I, I will tack on to that that when going to exhume this box, you know, from being examined by top men uh, in your brain. Nightmares, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, was it... When when you went to retrieve these memories, did you also realize that it was in the same part of 
your brain closet as like battle toads because i remember when we decided we were going to play this i was like i remember this game being really hard like this is one of those like pop culture games where everybody talks about how super hard it is and then it turned out that memory may have been accurate but <laughs> but like that that was my one additional piece of information is pop culturally like i remembered oh this is one of those games people talk about when they talk about old games that were really hard right talk about castlevania talk about battletoads talk about teenage mutant ninja turtles talk about super ghouls and ghosts right like this was just among those those brethren so we should do this. This is this is tangential, but we should at one point come up with a an X Y axis, you know, and graph all of the games of, you know, is hard, is not hard, remembered hard, and remembered easy, <laughs> you know, and then graph them because you know, like for example, Battletoads, it's like it is hard, and I remember it being very hard, right? Um, oh, what was the the one? Uh, Golden Axe, right? I remembered it being easy, but it was super hard, you know, like I think that that would be a good, a good graphic to, for us to, to work on. So yeah. in our infinite spare time, we'll get on that all that time. Um, so yeah, before we jump in, um, I want to do my little, uh, you know, promo block. Um, some people have been following along on the Twitch stream and, you know, chatting up on Twitter and stuff. Um, keep, keep doing those things. We welcome those things. I will specifically add that uh, not only can you find links in the show notes to things like how to follow us on the socials and how to give us money if that's your thing or where to watch me die a bunch in super ghouls and ghosts. Um, I actually have, I made two, they're just called clips, like Twitch just calls them clips. Uh, Two little clips of me um, doing stuff in uh, super ghouls and ghosts specifically that I will actually link to directly in the show notes. So you can find those other important links, but if you want to get an idea for what it's like to watch me play a game like this, you can get a little, little 30 second, little, little bite size. It's a, uh, it's an, it's an appetizer. It's a little snack. <laughs> Fair enough. So visuals. Yeah. Um, Finding out this game what came out in 1991 actually helped rebalance my brain a little bit because I like Capcom a lot and I like these graphics quite a bit. I think the visuals are actually very pleasant. Um, but when I think of Capcom, I think of basically two games, Street Fighter and Mega Man. And I know yep. they've done a bunch of other stuff, but like those are the two franchises that just leap to the forefront of my mind. And the Mega Man that leaps to the forefront of my mind is Mega Man X, which is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, it is. Right. Everything just kind of gets like compared to that standard. And this game is not as highly polished visually as Mega Man X, even though it is right in the same kind of time in history. I think maybe even within like a year or less. Um but it is really well done. Like the graphics are good and detailed. They're just not as highly polished as some other Capcom games, but that's that's not an insult, right? Like Mega Man X is like a gold standard of pixel art. So to say, yes. oh, it's not Mega Man X isn't really that insulting, but it, it's just because I know this is Capcom, it's hard not to constantly be making that comparison. This isn't gold, it's silver. Yeah, but it's still valuable, you know? And I felt that the the visual theming was very good uh, in the sense. Now, this is just the visual theming, right? But that it was all very uh, good horror aesthetic, you know, in the sense that 
you know, it wasn't, it was bright and colorful in a way that it wasn't dreary or drab, like things popped and caught your eye, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but there was, it, it was all very, it, it had a very good horror aesthetic in a sense that, you know, like the wolves didn't, didn't look like Yoshi's, you know, like it. <laughs> yes. Every, the, everything is on brand. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, so the wolves, you see a wolf and you're like, whoa, that's a terrifying wolf or that's a terrifying ghost or that's a terrifying zombie or whatever. Right. So I felt that visuals for the sake of visuals um, were really good. There's a large uh, variety of different enemy types, you know, um, which for the sake of visuals is great. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll leave that yeah. like that for now. Yeah. So. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I felt that uh, I felt, yeah, so as far as visuals for the sake of visuals, if somebody said, would you, because there are some games that are, are terrible at this. So if somebody said to me, would you enjoy watching somebody else play this game for like Castlevania 2? I'd say no, you know, <laughs> like that, that game, it looks awful. It's like rubbing dirt in your eyes, you know, this game, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Watching, watching somebody who's skilled to know what they're doing, like plow through this. This is a, a, a nice visually pleasing game to look at. Um that's where the positives of my notes on visuals and do you have anything nice to say i do so the the things i'll add is there's there is some palette swapping um but it's used fairly uh sparingly and it's used as a shorthand way to convey a volume of information because there's like this one enemy that kind of looks like a big round cat monster like it's it's kind of like a, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It's like a, a, a humanoid cat that's like big and circular and like wearing kind of clothes. And its attack is that it shoots fire out of its mouth into a stream that goes like exactly a certain distance. And so, you know, kind of like how far away you have to stay. And that's how that enemy attacks. And then in the next level, you see one that's blue instead of orange and it shoots ice out of its mouth. But it covers like almost the exact same distance. But it, it's a shorthand way of saying, hey, we want to include this mechanic in this level, but it wouldn't make any damn sense if it was exactly the same as the monster you saw a minute ago. And they do go to that well, but they only go to that well a couple times. What they usually do, and, and I won't go deep into the mechanical part of this, but when they want to reuse a mechanic, they design an enemy that behaves in the same way. So even though it looks completely different, your brain immediately categorizes it. So an example of that is uh, there's this flaming skull thing that like mm -hmm. kind of like in Castlevania, it's like the, you know, dragon head from the wall. Like it, it comes out and it's on like a little, you know, bony spine and it has a projectile attack and it, you know exactly like what size it's going to get to. So if you're trying to jump over it, you know, you can't because you know how big it is. Right. And then in another, in again, in that ice level, um, there's a thing that is like a big monster flower plant that shoots a little projectile out of its face. And for all intents and purposes, they function identically, but they look completely different other than having like a vague kind of snake-like form. But the reason your mind immediately is like, oh, that thing is going to behave exactly like the other thing is because they kind of move in a similar way. They grow out of the ground or off of the wall in the exact same way where you can't hurt them until they're like all the way extended. So there's these visual cues that are like not, they're not palette swapping, but they're like category swapping. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know that 
things that are in this category of movement and size are probably going to behave this way mechanically, which I actually really appreciated because it allowed them to add visual variety without just saying like, here's a blue one, here's a yellow one, here's a purple one, here's one that starts red but then turns green, right? Like it's nice to have variety because each of the levels is visually incredibly distinct, right? There's like the graveyard that you start in and then there's uh, the stupid water level that's horrible and I hated it. And then there's like the inside of a castle and then there's the ice level and right. And they're all, there's the like fire. There's one that's just basically feels like you're just in hell, which is kind of what playing the game is like at times. And so wait, did you say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) So there's, there's, you know, tremendous visual distinction from each level, which I love, And there's a lot of visual distinction in the enemies, which I love. And I thought using categories and movement as a way to convey the mechanics was really smart because it lets them not have to always resort to palette swapping. And that's, and that's fair. Um, That being said, you mentioned visual cues and that's all (laughs) I need. So here we go. Um, The visual cues, the telegraphing in this game is it's, it's not bad. It's not bad because in order for it to be bad, it would have to exist. You know, like you can't, you can't say it's bad if it doesn't exist at all. So there uh, are, there there are visual cues that exist, but they are not there to allow you as a player to react. They are what I have dubbed memory triggers, mm, right? Yeah. It it is Mm -hmm. a visual cue that, immediately needs to tell your body exactly what to do with the controller because visually you are not getting any useful information other than now it's time to do x yeah so basically the way that the 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 way enemies don't telegraph and the way that you react kind of sluggishly which we'll get into in mechanics right is you can't reasonably react fast enough to anything that the enemy is doing you know this game is a hundred percent memorization, right? It's just it's memorization all the way down. You know, it is to me, and I don't know where to shove this note, so I'm just going to put it in here. <laughs> this is this game is it's it's a very very dressed up, very visually pleasing version of Simon. Yeah, I mean, in a way, you just it's like you have to internalize. Here I press right, then I jump, then I do this yeah. kind of jump, then I throw the weapon right. Yeah, it's, I mean, this game is almost designed for speedrunners, right? Mm-hmm. And and the fact that, because I noticed, especially in the later levels that the, the later, like I got that far, I noticed in some of <laughs> the levels that the visual cues are they would jog my memory, right? Like they served a function, but only Mm -hmm. if I had a memory of what to do, right? It's not like, oh, you know, the guy is pulling his fist back. He's probably about to punch me in the face. Allow me to respond, right? you, You couldn't very likely respond the first time, right? Most of the time you die and then you hope that you remember oh, when the ground rumbles that way, an enemy is going to shoot out from over there and I need to be over here so that I don't die, right? There's lots of memory triggers, but there's not a lot of learning the like ebb and flow of combat. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, there is, so in, in I, I'm going to consistently juxtapose this game to Simon because I think that this game is Simon. <laughs> so 
So <laughs> it is there is a slightly broader failure. So in Simon, there is zero failure spectrum, right? You have either successfully executed or you have not and you have failed and the game restarts right there there is a slightly larger failure spectrum in the sense that if you do not hit the buttons in the exact right order you can sometimes improvise but your abilities to and and again this is mostly in my opinion because of poor visual poor visual telegraphing and gummy controls but we'll get into the controls later but those two things play off each other They're, they're two sides of the same of the same coin but uh but because of such poor visual cues, right, is that, you know, once you have hit the buttons in the wrong order, you your chances as opposed to like in Mario, right, is, you know, you can absolutely speed run Mario. Right. And that requires you to hit all the buttons in the right order. But you can hit being a, basically a constant state of suboptimal play and be improvising and be fine. The moment that you start improvising in this game, your chances of survival drop precipitously. You know, no, like the, the game is designed around memorization in a way that seems so intentional, it could not possibly be an accident, right? It is an intentional design choice that the way you master this game is to memorize this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, so, and just as, as we're continuing to talk about poor visual cues, is that there's literally in, in many cases, there is absolutely no way to reasonably understand what's going to happen the the to be fair they did this in the beginning so it was kind of a strap in this is what you've signed on for a moment for me which was in the first level with the tidal wave right (laughs) so in the first level you've just gotten like halfway through you haven't reached the checkpoint yet which i think is a particularly dick move on the you know part of the developers so you're about a third of the way through the level you've been fighting some some zombies that's kind of cool um you've been fighting uh some some werewolves some of the other those fire things oh right? yeah Whatever. yeah the little thing is yeah yeah, so you know you getting 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 a little loose, getting kind of cool, and then all of a sudden you kind of go to this area that is devoid of enemies, which is that that's a red flag. I'll give them that. And then this giant tidal wave comes up in the background. And you're like, huh? No idea what that's going to do, and it crashes down on the front of the screen. You're like, okay, and then you're dead. You you're dead. There's yeah. unless you happened to just be on where you were supposed to be by sheer luck you're dead and it's a one-hit kill it doesn't matter whether or not you had your armor none of it matters it's hard determinism all the way down (laughs) you know you're dead right and so then you're like oh i guess that wave kills me that is just the game you know is that you're you're going to die it is going to be unfair and you just have to memorize that you know you hit this button then you get here then you have to go this way there's there's again you yes can you improvise technically but the game does not want you to you know and it's 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 like am i am i sitting here you know in a cubicle playing ghouls and goblins (laughs) no you know like this isn't (laughs) well so this is it's because i mean it's so hard to talk about this game without i mean we always want to strand the mechanics because that's where all the fun lives but there's it's impossible not to talk about the visuals in this game and not make some uh hearkenings over to the mechanics but a visual cue that helped me understand as a player, this is a game about memorization is the jumping. And I will have lots more to say about the jumping later, but the fact that you always jump the exact same 
distance, whether you push the button or push and hold or push and hold and kind of grit your teeth and like, like you always jump because that does make a difference. You always jump the exact same height and length. And if you double jump, it's always the exact same addition to your jump, right? Like there's no, there's virtually no, because you can choose when you double jump, but like, but then your second jump will always have the same, you know, height and length, right? So once I noticed like, oh, these controls are precise in a way that is almost unheard of in video games, period, that kind of helped clue me in a little bit more to like, oh, and that must matter. Like, it must matter that I always know exactly how far a jump is going to be, or is know exactly how high a jump is going to be, or exactly how fast a weapon crosses the screen, because I'm not really exploring a world and, like, getting through, like, with, you know, by my grit and determinism, or determination, I'm getting through by my determinism, because, <laughs> because once you commit to a jump, like, you're married to it, right? So... That, like, visually, I think that actually does a little bit to help instill this notion of memorization into the player because that's just so, especially by this time in history, right? 91 seems like forever ago, but by 91, they knew not to marry you to your jump arc. Like, we had long since gotten over that. That is true. And I I agree with the information that you're distilling. However, it's like saying that in order to in order to really understand my book, you have to have a PhD in you know <laughs> li- literature, right? In English lit, you know, it's it's it would be like you know saying, oh well, you didn't know this game was about memorization because I mean, obviously, it is just as cleanly as the light across the you know across the lake is great Gatsby's yearning for Daisy Buchanan. You know, I mean, (laughs) I don't think that you're wrong. I think that, that, that if, if that was the intentionality behind it, then the developers had, you're either obtuse elitist or both, you know, because, Oh yeah, no, I'm, 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 (laughs) I'm certainly not trying to combine like moral (laughs) rightness or like enjoyability with quality, but I think there is at least something to be said that when they were designing a game that is, you know, as you say, not that far off from a complicated version of Simon, that they it's had like Simon with a bunch of extra steps. It is like, but imagine if you <laughs> sat down to play Simon and sometimes when you press the red, it made the yellow light go off. Like you'd be pissed, right? That yes. would that would have zero fun to it. And I guarantee you right now that there are people who've tried to make like funny versions of Simon and just like funny versions of Tetris never survived because that formula was perfect to start. Stop messing with it. Right. This that they, you know, the designers saw if we are going to expect players, whether or not this is any fun, whether or not we've communicated this information to them, but if we are going to expect them to accomplish this goal at the very least, we need to give them the tools to do that. And one of those tools is 100% pixel perfect consistency in movement. And so once I realized that that was happening, like, because I mean, it's so obvious, you can see the way the jumps are happening. Is, uh, okay, so is it that obvious to somebody who doesn't deconstruct games as a hobby? It wouldn't be obvious why the mechanics and, <laughs> and the controls are like that. But here's my here's the thing that made me realize it. So uh, I was I walked up to a physical barrier, right, where it's like, oh, I need to jump over this. And what I did was jump and then press right. 
And what I did was jump straight up and down. And after I started to realize like, oh, you can't jump and then kind of lean forward a little bit the way you would in every other game, like that clued me in that something was going on, right? And I'm, I'm, I don't expect any player to put those two things together. I don't think it's reasonable to expect a player to put those two <laughs> things together. But the fact that the visual is so starkly consistent and different from what you would expect if you have ever played another video game ever that is a platformer, that was at least enough to make me go like, huh. And so I appreciate that they they thought to bake that into the visuals because there's a lot of games that are like, oh, you have to memorize all the em- enemy movements, but the visuals are like sloshy and sloppy and have like round edges. Not this. Like everything is like very straight. It's been newled, right? And and so that that visual consistency and almost like perfection, right? By which I mean like straight edges. It clues you in. I'm not saying like it does a good job of conveyance, but it does like alert you that there's some something probably going on with that level of precision present in the system. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see that I, I would still, I would still make the argument that in order to correlate those two things, it requires a, a certain level of games literacy that I don't think that, like you said, that, you know, the average, you, you wouldn't expect the average player to, to correlate those two things, you know? Um, and even even certainly at the time, you know, like where where having a high games literacy, what the people with the highest games literacy also had like some of the lower cognitive development because like, you know, your your forerunners on who played video games was ten and eleven year olds. <laughs> so, you know, but but all that being said, I, I do think that, that that was a deliberate choice for sure. Um, one other example I have of just just hot garbage with the the visuals for the sake of gameplay is um the zombies in the coffins right Mm -hmm. so zombies rise out of the ground in in coffins and then the coffin opens and the zombie comes out right so first of all i didn't appreciate that the coffin can hurt you (laughs) right I didn't care. I did not care for that because that doesn't make any damn sense. You know, like, I mean, I am in full plate mail and I walk up to a coffin and the coffin blows the plate mail off of me as though I were getting hit by a jet taking off of an aircraft carrier like that. That doesn't make any sense. Right. But that's it's fine it's 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 fine it doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me it bothers me it bothers me a lot and you learn that fact once right like it's it's super annoying like every all of the facts in this game yeah you you learn it and that's fine (laughs) what i didn't care for though is when it's coming out of the ground it does not hurt you right and there is a nondescript time between when it is coming out of the ground and when it is out of the ground that it goes from not hurting you to hurting you. And there is, from what I can tell, no visual that says this thing has gone from being okay to interact with to will take one of your, will knock you down to 50% health, you know? And again, in a game that, you know, has a high cycle time, which we'll get into, and, you know, does not have a whole lot of leeway with hit points, which I just kind of alluded to, and all those sort of stuff, just be like, really? Because, there was definitely a couple of times where I was like, okay, 
I can I can skirt past this because I misjudged that moment when the coffin would suddenly hurt me, you know? And so that I thought was problematic and, and similar. There were similar things kind of all over the place, but uh, that that was that I did not I did not care for. And I have one other thing that that uh, on on visuals that I definitely want to make sure that we touch on because I just I just saw it in my notes again and I. I normally don't preempt my statements, but it got my blood pumping. And I was like, oh, God, I, can't, I cannot forget to mention this. So, but anyways, that's my thoughts on the zombie crates. Yeah. Um, zombie, zombie crates, the coffins. No, zombie crates. Um, yeah, zombie that's crates. What, that's what you deliver zombies in. Zombie yeah, exactly. Crates. That's how you transport dead. Is, yeah. is in no, dead because crates. they're coffins when they're good, God-fearing Christians who've been buried in the ground. Once they're used to transport evil zombies, then they're zombie crates. Yeah, they're zombie crates. Zombie crates. <laughs> um, I do want to uh, quickly harken back to, uh, you know, like, oh, game designed for speedrunning. Uh, there's a really important exception to that, which is mostly in the later levels or the like the second half of the game, I guess. Um, you start to encounter a fair amount of what speedrunners typically refer to as RNG, random number generation, because there are environmental hazards throughout this game. And some of them are visually really clear, like the tidal wave that is going to super duper murder you. And then there's some other ones that are environmental hazards where it's like, oh, this thing pops up out of the ground. And sometimes it pops up damn near right where you're standing and you basically can do nothing about it and you can't memorize it because they just happen randomly like in this hallway and because there, there was this one like hallway with like these ice ice columns i guess they're kind of like snakes that like sort of shoot up at weird angles but i died and had to go through that hallway a bunch of times and i was like there's there's no consistency to this at all like these are actually random in a game where I move at a sluggish speed and have a like a jump arc I can't alter once I've committed to it, like that that's that is like if you press the red button on Simon and it randomly did yellow because it's just like I I can't yep. prepare for this. I can hope at best that I will like proceed at a cautious enough pace where I can destroy the little ice columns with my weapon, but not always there were times where i just died and i was like okay that actually felt like a cheap death so to take the the visual cues which may or may not be good like when the coffin kills you and when it doesn't but it is consistent right like mm -hmm. don't touch coffins coffins kill you don't touch zombie crates zombie crates kill you and then exactly. to, to and then <laughs> to throw that objectivity completely out the window and be like sometimes in this hallway you'll die it's just like, no, you can't. That's not fun. Fortunately, they only go to that well, at least in the, the six levels I played. They only went to that well like twice, two or two or three times. Everything else is like pixel perfect consistency. But when it does happen, it just feels really crappy. Just really crappy to die from something that you're like, okay, all right. I get, I get it. You win. Like, okay, you're the thing. Yeah, you, you, you beat me, game. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you, game developer. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the one the one other, and and that that is very frustrating. It would be like if you know you were playing Simon. And he's like do 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 do, and you're like, <laughs> wait, what was that last one? Like that's not a, a tone, and it's just and and the game just de dead silent as Simon is is just blankly staring at you. Like, go on, do the root do 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 one. And it's like. <laughs> There's no root. Is it this button? It's like wrong. 
try again. And you're like, it's, <laughs> I did my best. I don't feel like I deserve this. Like, you know, I work, I work hard. Um, so the one, the one other thing that I kind of just, and this is in a similar vein to your, I don't, I don't think that was fair. No, I mean, this is actually, this is closer to like the tidal wave, which is you you learn it, you learn it once. It's fine. It's fine. But this game has mimics in it. And I think that that's just kind of a great distillation <laughs> of the visuals in service of gameplay as a whole, right? Where it's just kind of like, nah, man, you're totally going to be able to improvise your way through this. <laughs> I couldn't even get through that, you know? Where so I was like sitting there walking through and I'm like, oh, yeah, man, got a treasure chest. That's pretty cool. And, hey, look, there's another chest. Oh, wait, what? You know? And then the mimic killed me. And I was like, I don't know what I'm, of course this game has mimics in it because I can't trust anything about this game. So uh, that and the, um, you know, like uh, another example of like visuals that were poor in service gameplay is on the ship level, there are not yet formed ghosts that are flying around that don't hurt you, but then they form into ghosts that do hurt you. But I was unclear that the unformed ghost didn't hurt you because so far everything that's moving kills me until one I met, I messed up quote unquote, and one of them hit me and it didn't kill me. But I had no reason as a player to think that that wouldn't kill me in the same ways, reason way that I did not have any reason as a player to think that the chest would. So again, just all of this comes back to the fact that the game does not lead you by the hand you you will make mistakes the game expects you to make mistakes and to die a lot and so basically with that in mind what they are using is death as a teacher right Mm -hmm. which is fine but the problem with that is if you're using death as a teacher you should take really nuanced care with your cycle time which we will get into later so the last thing i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just teasers. The last thing I have to say about the, the visuals, um, and this was actually something that I started noticing more because of something you said, which is uh, we were you know back channeling a little bit, like as, as we do while we're playing the game ahead of the recording, and you said something to the effect of like combat is not really an ideal way to navigate the levels, <laughs> and and what that made me realize is. In the earlier levels, this is like the first and second level. This isn't really a thing that happens too often. But then by the the third, fourth, and fifth level, this is starting to happen basically all the time, which is as you ignore enemies, more enemies are on screen. A lot of enemies have fairly complicated sprites, and they fire projectiles, and now there's more sprites on the screen. And the frame rate sometimes just falls to near zero, and in a game where every single button press is literally life and death playing at a consistent speed matters because you are trying mm-hmm. to memorize the tune do 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 right so like the way you memorize 80 button presses in Simon is that there's a melody to it right and even if it's like a super militant like you know 1 2 3 4 1 2 3 there's still like a kind of melody that you're internalizing so to have the frame rate drop like that I started to also have to remember the parts of a level where because I wasn't killing the enemies, the frame rate was going to drop. And so then like yep. 
And if you look at, because I didn't, I got nowhere close to the final boss. But if you watch someone like speedrun this game and fight the final boss, whole chunk because the actual boss is made up of multiple sprites. Whole chunks of the final boss are flickering in and out of existence because there's so much that the game engine is trying to draw onto the screen simultaneously. So having to memorize enemy and environmental hazards, like enemy placements and environmental hazards, that's a challenge. Having to memorize the way like your jump arc works and and exactly how all the pixel blocks and rectangles fit together, like that's a super challenge. Then adding in sometimes you won't be able to see stuff because it will have bamfed Nightcrawler style in and out of the like hell plane. That just seemed a little unfair. Like when they got to the point where they were like, oh, on this screen, there can be so much crap on screen at the same time that it slows gameplay to a crawl. That is a huge literal flashing visual indicator that you are asking, (laughs) you're asking your game engine to do too much, like put less crap on the screen. Because as I said at the top, before we started freaking out over all this nonsense, the graphics are actually quite pleasant. The environments are very detailed. There's a lot of crap going on in the background. There's a lot of crap going on in the foreground. There's just a lot of like well thought through sprites and visuals happening. I'd like to be able to see them. Yeah, um, and this I, I would I would argue that this isn't Nightcrawler style because when he bamfs in and out, he can't. If he if we're from point A and point B to where he's bamfing, if you are in that direct line, you don't get hurt. But when this stuff's bamfing in and out of existence, you do. So I would say this is more like Sue Storm with a shiv, <laughs> you know, because it's just <laughs> she's just turning invisible and then just kind of like 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 shank shank, you know, as she's kind of passing through you yeah um, no that 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 checks out that holds okay. up <laughs> that, that, that tracks uh <laughs> so that's I, that's kind of i've got kind of i don't really know whether to put this in visuals or uh or gameplay so i'm going to hold off for it in gameplay but i i have something i'm going to harken back to in visuals but aside from that i'm good for visuals all right upward and onward to audio sweet so uh, the audio for this game, I really, as far as the music goes, I really enjoyed the music. I felt that it really was good. really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really good and very, very thematically, again, just like the visuals, very thematically appropriate, you know, um, it, it, it's the music is it's I wouldn't say it's like super hummable, at least not for me. But again, it's just what the music is is very good because it at no point it enhances the experience it, it enhances the experience at no point does it detract from it you know and you wouldn't you would say like oh man the music's pretty good you know but you really realize how good it is if you were to mentally juxtapose like mario music on top of this this it would be completely divorced from what it's trying to do so as far as this game which is clearly trying to sell horror right um you know you are the lone knight against the army of the undead um his name is actually arthur i think yes yes you i think it is king arthur and you were trying to like it is arthurian legend but one where lancelot isn't but but one where the devil steals your girlfriend (laughs) so it is it is that because if the devil's lancelot then or you know oh yeah he kind of like runs away with guinevere yeah huh that huh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so anyways on the game but no. <laughs> so, so no so that's what i thought uh, i thought that the the music was was really good i mean i i literally have this in my notes as capcom delivers because 
just like I have certain visual expectations that I pin to them, Mega Man and Street Fighter also have really excellent music, right? And I agree with you that even though I heard some of this music a billion times, like it's not all supremely hummable, but that's, I don't think that that's a knock against it, right? It's just that some of the music is more memorable as like a tune you could whistle and some of it is just more environmental thematic, but it's all thematic, right? All of it yeah. enhances the tone and how you're supposed to feel. And um, like in the, the icy level, it's, you know, a lot of chimes and higher pitched, like icy kind of music. And, you know, when you're in like the hellfire level, it's like more, you know, lower tones and more just kind of ambient, like, you know, creeping madness. And, and I, I just, I really appreciate that. Like when a game has uninspired music, that's, it, it robs the experience more than I think most people really realize. And so when a game has excellent music, it improves the experience, I think, far more than a lot of people realize because it's it's raising or lowering your subconscious enjoyment of the game. And it's hard to reckon with emotions you're not necessarily aware you're experiencing. So as I was trying to find things to not snap my controller in half over and I was thinking more and more about the music, I was like, this is, this is as good as like any Mega Man or any street fighter. Like this is excellent Capcom music. Like exactly what you would expect if someone says, Oh, and the, the soundtrack's done by, you know, what this famous composer from Capcom or the music team at Capcom, you'd be like, Oh, then I expect it to be great. And then you listen to the music and you're like, and it is. Good job. And, Go and team. So it is. Um, and just as there was no telegraphing for visuals, there was also no real audio telegraphing that I could easily pick up on. Um, that's fine. Uh, you don't, it, it is very helpful to have that kind of stuff. I don't think that it like with visual cues, because humans are visual creatures. I don't think that it's something where when it's not in a game, it doesn't necessarily break the game when it is in a game. It's, it's nice to have, um, and there's so much garbage going on on the screen at a time, as we mentioned before, that any kind of audio telegraph, I think, would get lost in the shuffle. Because kind of what I'm thinking about right now is, well, first of all, Simon uh, also has audio telegraphing, but um, that, or not telegraphing, but audio cues. Yeah, c- uh, communicates but, information through audio. Yes. But uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, right, mm. is there's... Uh, uh, a audio cue for when there's a werewolf on screen because werewolves are very difficult to kill and very dangerous. So you will hear the werewolf howl whenever you have encountered it, even if like it's on the very edge of the screen and you may have missed it. You'll hear that howl, which is saying that 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 guy's coming. He's coming for you, right? <laughs> no similar thing exists here. But if every werewolf howled, there would just be nonstop howling because there's a billion of them and they're all over the place if every zombie made like a zombie noise there's a billion of them i mean they're all popping out of their zombie crates left and right you know so (laughs) so eh, there is no real audio like information being conveyed through audio in that sense it's enhancing gameplay i don't know how they would have done it the way they've designed everything else in this game well i feel like an audio cue generally speaking is there's either something that is happening off screen so there's no visual 
or there's something that is happening apart from where your attention probably is, but you need to know that this happened, right? Like in any, uh, any shump, right? Any bullet hell game, there's crap on screen all the time, but something slow and, you know, ominous that's coming from off screen, you don't necessarily need to know that that's coming because it's slow. And when it enters the screen, you will see it. But if like a lightning fast projectile is about to come onto the screen from an enemy that's 10 screens away, you need to hear like the like whip of like the, the, like a, like a sniper shot. Right. And it's like, Oh, I need to duck because there's something coming right from my head. Right. You didn't see it, but you heard it. This game is not in any way designed for that kind of information to be useful or maybe even possible kind of to your point, like it would just be, what would it help you do if it's like, Oh, I'm already committed to a jump. I can't do anything about. And I just heard a noise from a projectile off screen. I hope it doesn't kill me because I literally cannot alter my trajectory. Right. So there's, there's, it would just be additional literal noise. But in the case of, the definition of like signal to noise, like it would just be noise. Well, and, and so before I had said, I wasn't sure where to shoehorn this in. I'm going to shoehorn this in here uh, into, <laughs> into audio of all places. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's no real audio telegraphing, right? There is also no visual telegraphing really or, or nothing that you can do anything about. I think that that was a deliberate choice because the idea is, is that it's supposed to be horrifying, right? It's supposed to be scary, right? And and this is a true horror aesthetic game where it's you you are stuck in a room full of demons. The demons are not stuck in the room with you, right? Yes. This is you, you are not empowered, you are not powerful, you do not feel powerful. <laughs> Correct, right? I mean, you know, literally these armor the these these bad guys are these zombie crates are hitting you so hard that they're blowing your armor off in one hit. You know, I mean, you would be bruised from stem to stern. But uh, but all that being said, right, so I think that that's what they're trying to go for with the lack of telegraphing, right, is that you're in a harsh, unforgiving world. Sometimes things are just going to kill you. And so then that brings, brings us to, like, you know, using death as a teacher. I do not believe that in horror games you can – you should do that right because most of the very successful horror games i've seen they do have a death mechanic like the last of us right but the last of us doesn't generally use death as a teacher it is a failure state and you do learn from it but it is not the primary way that it is teaching you right death is the primary way that this game is teaching you and then what that does is if it's being used as one of the primary teaching tools it robs it of that this, the, the horror is that you could die but if you're dying all of the time it's not scary i wasn't scared at any point during this game because i knew i was going to die right there was no big ominous thing to be afraid of there was no big build to this and i and the reason why i'm so uh, aware of this is because i've had similar experiences in other horror games where like you know so scared i'm so scared and, oh my god i died oh okay all right, that's fine. I'll, I'll try again. But then if I die five or six times in quick succession, I'm playing a game now. You know, I'm not in the experience. So I think the lack of audio telegraphing and the lack of visual telegraphing is deliberate. But then that causes them to rely on death as a teacher, which for all of the great visuals that they did to build the horror aesthetic and all of the great audio work that they did to build the horror aesthetic, they robbed all of it by mechanically relying on a way of developing the player that is completely divorced from that aesthetic, you know, and to me pulled me out of it. So 
kind of like what you said uh, when I was, you know, grasping at straws earlier. I agree <laughs> with everything you are saying from like a factual, logical argument standpoint. The only counter that I think might be present is that they are going for a, I presume, they are going for a horror aesthetic that would be acceptable for children, right? It's So they added in a lot more death. Yeah, but but it's, I mean, when you die, you're instantly reduced to a pile of bones, right? Like, we didn't talk about this in visuals, but like, when you get hit, your armor goes flying off in a cartoonish fashion, and you are left in your, like, Disney-appropriate white boxers with, you know, little pink hearts on them. And then when you die, you are in, there's no blood, there's no gore, you are instantly reduced to a pile of bones with a skull on top, right? Mm -hmm. So... It's not that I don't think this is horror and that it's trying to be scary, but it's trying to be scary in the way, like, my six-year-old would describe scary. Like, monsters are scary, and the dark is scary, and, like, things popping out at you are scary. And those things are all scary. They're just scary in a very different way than, like, the looming existential horror of Cthulhu Right. Be because the way a, you know, at six or 12 year old or even like 15 year old thinks about like, like, oh, man, and I was walking down the hall and then the zombie popped out of a zombie crate and it scared me so much. Right. They're not thinking in quite the same frame as like you or I adults who think or try to, you know, think big things about the universe would think of things that are scary and horrifying and the uncanny and the fear of the unknown. And you always fear what you don't understand, right? Like it's a, <laughs> it's a different, and I don't think one it's is the known knowns and the known, <laughs> known unknowns, unknowns, but also the unknown unknowns, <laughs> right? I don't think uh, the more existential kind of dread is better, but I also don't think that that's necessarily what they were going for. I think they're going for like PG kid horror. This is not trying to be Resident Evil or Silent Hill or The Last of Us, right? And if the, that was what they were going for, then yeah, holy crap, did they swing and miss like really hard, <laughs> right? For the exact reason I think you said, but because they're going for a code of, like Halloween horror, right? Like mm -hmm. zombies and witches in a full moon. I don't well, think the death mechanic, like death as a teaching tool doesn't impact the coat of paint, which is definitely what they were going for. And if they were going for like the terror you feel in your soul sort of horror, then yeah, it ruins it completely. So it's, well, I agree with you. I just don't think that that's necessarily the target they were aiming for. But then my, and, and, and that and that very well may be true, but then my thought would be, why why then not telegraph? You know, because they wanted a dressed up version of Simon, right? Okay. The, these these things they, they like, wanted Simon with a horror. Yeah. They, so basically, one of the designers had had their old Simon cube, and they're like, "Man, I want to make this for Halloween." So they put a bunch of Halloween stickers on it, and they're like, "More," and then it just says, <laughs> "Super Ghouls and Ghosts." Also, um. Should we talk about that you just said Simon Cube, or are we just going to let that one go? <laughs> no, I, I, I remember popping open my, my father's zombie crate <laughs> and finding my Simon Cube. 
So, so the only other thing I, uh, I have to say about the sound effects and the audio, or the sorry, the audio, but the sound effects specifically is um, the music feels absolutely like Capcom totally delivers. The sound effects are are like uninspiring. They're not bad. They're but they're not like memorable. Like certain weapons make certain yeah. noises. Certain enemies make certain noises. Certain environmental hazards make certain noises. But none of them. I was just like. Ooh, nice. Like, that was good. That felt like a good sound effect, right? And because they don't really serve any utility, they are, I don't know what the audio version of window dressing is, but they're window dressing, right? They don't right. They don't really do anything to enhance the game the way the music absolutely does. And so the fact that they're not particularly well-crafted is just like, eh, okay, I guess they're sound effects. Game has to have sound effects. Yeah, I mean, it would be, it's one of those things where it, it would be weird if it didn't have them. But yes, I mean, I I personally found the sound effects to be bland and pedestrian, you know, <laughs> shallow <Yeah>. and pedantic. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you know what pedantic means, but I would hate to condescend. Um, but anyways, uh, all this is true. So yeah, so I mean, I I, I would agree with that. There were no, none of the sound effects where I was like, oh man, that was that was super cool. You know, uh, yeah, they were fine. Um, and that's kind of all I had for audio. Including that long thing about horror theming. I felt that that was the appropriate time to have that discussion was dead in the middle of audio. Um, I will say the one uh, or the two audio cues that come really close to making you feel like you're going to die is when you die. And because it's the same, it's not like a, right? There's no... Again, it's like PG horror, like what a kid thinks of as, as Halloween horror, right? So... There's no blood and guts visual, and there's no, like, death scream. So what it does is play a little, I guess it's supposed to be like an organ, like that little musical cue mm-hmm. when you die. And it's very short, but it's it's not the Mario style, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, right? Like, it's not a fun kind of like, ah, oh, shucks, you died. It's definitely <laughs> pipe organ church horror, you died. Yeah. But then that noise is always then immediately proceed by the which leads into the level and because you die constantly you hear the going into the level little tune a lot so Mm -hmm. in my mind those just became like one super sound yeah i'd agree with that (laughs) where the going into the level music starts with the you dying sound effect No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And now a part of me kind of wants to see the game where when you die, it just kind of puts like the little like a, a little thing across the screen where it says, Oh shucks, you died. <laughs> you know? Oh I mean, shucks, that, mister. That's you got it, eaten by that zombie. But that's how it feels when you die in like a Mario, right? It's just <laughs> like, ah, you know, get out there and try again. You can save the princess. But when you die in this, it's like you, you're reduced to a pile of bones and like scary org, organ music plays like it, you die, right? You die, die, die. But then the triumphant I'm off to save the princess music immediately follows it. And it's just that juxtaposition is like, am, am I in hell? Like, is, <laughs> is th- like this little musical cue is how I imagine every time like Sisyphus found himself at the bottom of the hill was just like, ah, it, ah, hey. Wait a minute. Was I just here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, and you do die a lot, so you do get that feeling quite a bit. But uh, controls, mechanics? Yeah. You want to talk about dying right off the bat, or is there something else you wanted to lead with? 
I mean, we we definitely just just get to talk about the giant pink elephant in the room. Side note, um, this is apropos of nothing, but uh, Teddy, my son, has started when he's in bed. He's he's getting to the age where he can start to imagine, you know, um, which is great, but also weird because then he will speak as though you know there is so so you know. He'll be like, look, look, there's my spider. And it's like, yeah, because he's got a little like spider cut out. Of him. And he's like, look, there's that. And look, there's the elephant. And I'm like, there's there's no elephant in this room, you know. And so a part of me is just expecting one time for him to be like, look, Dada, there's the elephant. And for me, to be like, there's no elephant in this room. He's like, no, I'm talking about your outfit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we going to talk about this elephant in the room? But anyways, to talk about the elephant in the room. Um, they, uh, yeah, no, so, okay, so death, death is what they're using as a teaching tool. That's fine. Um, the cycle time is unacceptable for, if they are going to use death as a teaching tool, the best and easiest game to juxtapose this to is Celeste. Yeah, right? no, if you didn't go there, I was going to have to. <laughs> so, I mean, like, Celeste, you die, you, you're set back three seconds, you're given the opportunity to do it again. I mean, Celeste is... I would say probably about as difficult as this game, you know, plus yes. or minus. Yeah, but just an unmeasurable amount less frustrating. Correct. Less frustrating and just wildly less punishing because the cycle time is three seconds as opposed to a minute, you know. And yeah, I mean, you know, I would be going through the game and, you know, be like, I've done this correctly 15 times. And sometimes it would feel like I was getting worse because I would get through a section, not quite hit the checkpoint and then die because of tidal wave or because of whatever. Right. And then die four or five times in the beginning bit just because I wasn't paying super hyper precise attention. And I was like, oh, my God, I am actively stressed right now. You know, so that's having... the true horror aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no the the true horror aesthetic what they were really going for was that you know you would be playing this game and all of a sudden while you're sitting there in this mindless hellscape of frustration your child comes up to you and asks you a banal question and you snap at them and then you realize that you're the real monster you know like that's <laughs> that's the horror that they're going for but uh but yeah so anyways the 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 easy we've kind of danced around it and touched on it but yeah to just kind of drive that nail home uh, if you're going to use death as a teaching tool, which is a hundred percent okay, using, I mean, you know, I take that back. It's it's not death. It's it's the ultimate ultimate failure state as a teaching tool, right? Like you have failed as bad as you were going to fail, right? You know, typically in most games that's death, but I mean, it doesn't have to be, right? But to be to to use a a game reset, right? You know that we are going to set you back in time. You can't set the the player back that far. You just can't. You know, especially if you're going to be doing it 15 bajillion times. And and let's be clear about something, because we don't always go super deep into an individual detail um, like I'm about to. But I, I think this is worth mentioning. You have effectively one hit point, right? You start every level as Big Mario and you can get hit once. And then if you get hit again, you're dead. And... Throughout the world are these little treasure chests, which you mentioned some of them are mimics, but they... Sorry, this is this is so needless, but doesn't that technically mean you have two hit points? Um, yeah, I yes. guess the number of hits you can take and not 
and continue to play as one. Is so one. Yes, you yes. have two. No, that's not needless. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> the <laughs> I was best like, I was like kind of here. correct. <laughs> like as as you kept talking, like I was like, hopefully my need to, to bring this up will subside, but it kept getting worse. <laughs> but it had been longer since you had said the thing, so I was just feeling like those mounting. I'm like, no, w- wait. I just yeah. anyways. No, no, no. no. Yeah. You're you're 100 correct. You you have two hit points and you die at zero hit points, right? So you correct. can be hit once, once. right? You can yeah. take one hit and continue to play and the treasure chests that pop up if you because they just shoot out of the ground it's right it's not they're not laying there like they pop up out of the ground the same way the zombies do and you uh in certain parts of the game if you backtrack a little bit or if you like jump and then jump back and then jump right back like it will make a treasure chest come out and it's with the same kind of consistency as any enemy movement or placement if you know there's a treasure chest there you can always make that treasure chest come out and there's some sort of algorithm I don't understand to what is in a treasure chest. But I say all of that to say this. You can actually get upgraded armor. So there's the magic armor and then there's the super magic armor. Neither the magic armor or the super magic armor give you any additional hit points. They just make your weapons more powerful. And then if you have the super magic armor, which I don't even think you can do unless you're doing like a perfect run until later in the game, then you can pick up a shield. There's actually two shields and they both give you one extra hit point, but only if the hit you take is directly on the shield. Otherwise, you just drop the shield and your armor at the same time. And I say all that to say this. You can only take one hit and then the next hit kills you. And this game has a concept of like health or, you know, health drops, but they are so hard to get to that if you can acquire the health drops, you probably don't need them. Like they're there almost as a screw you to the player because what they really do is make your weapons more powerful. But the fact that they even included this notion of like, oh, well, if you have the super armor or the super magic armor and you get the shield, then technically you can take one additional hit. It's like, ah, yes, but if I was able to acquire a billion dollars, I wouldn't really be that interested in an investment that could make me another thousand because I'd have a billion, right? Like once I have accomplished that goal, the goal it, opens up to me becomes irrelevant (laughs) yes no i i I agree completely and and actually that leads in nicely into one of the things that because you kind of touched on it where you know there's big mario and small small mario right and i think that this is just a great example of you know people who were I've never made a video game, so I'm going to sit in my glass house and throw stones here. (laughs) People who know what the hell they're doing and people who don't, Um, which is that in Mario, Mario also only has two hit points, right? You know, there's, I mean, what you just described is very similar to the way that Mario works, right? Is that you can get the super armor, the fire flower, right? But that doesn't give you any additional hit points. It just gives you more offensive weapons, right? You still have two hit points. Here is the key difference is, as you said, when you get hit, you shrink, which makes you a harder target to hit. Yes. Right. You can still jump as far. You can still kill enemies with the same amount of one jump on their head, but you are a smaller target. Yes, you are 50 percent smaller, which is substantial, you know. So the so as you are closer to your failure state, you're 
chances of failing are less, right? So if somebody said like, oh, it's just like Mario, it's like, no, it isn't. It's critically different because you don't shrink, because you're the exact same big bulbous target. You and, and it's not that you have to shrink. You could move faster. It would make sense for you to move faster. You're not wearing any armor anymore, right? So like if how interesting would it be is what if you could control your jump in midair, but only when you're not wearing your armor, you know, something like that, something that makes the game easier, the closer that you are to death. None of that happens. The game is just as difficult. It's just that you can screw up once. It is like if playing Simon, it didn't go to game over when you got the wrong color. You got one additional shot. Yeah, that's it. And and I have to say to that end, um, any well, what if you did this instead? Or what if you change that? What if you move faster? What if you could control your jump art? Any modification you make, now it's not Simon. And regardless of how a person may or may not feel about Simon, there are fairly specific rules that make Simon Simon, right? You, It is a memorization-based game. Like all of the mechanics all of the everything needs to be not at least actively interfering with memorization based gameplay so personally i don't apparently care for memorization based games <laughs> right which actually does not necessarily bear on my rating for the game so don't anybody go jumping ahead of themselves but i realized playing this that sometimes it felt like super triumphant and other times i was just like okay, I did it. I memorized it. Good for me. Right. And that feeling kind of like just came and went because I'm just not, I'm not a speedrunner, right? I don't want to right. beat the entirety of super Mario brothers in four minutes and 55 seconds, which is apparently as fast as a machine could do it. Right. Because, <laughs> because the person who holds the world record got it down to near frame perfection. Like, Knowing that someone has done that, watching that person do that, seeing their enjoyment, those are all things I can I can totally be on board with, but I don't want to be that person. And right. anything you changed in this game mechanically that made it less about memorizing everything and perfect execution would make it less like Simon. And this is, again, not too crap on it, but it is a dressed up Simon. It is a memorization-based game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, again, there's just, you know, a number of choices like that, that they made that I thought were, uh, you know, it, it would be very easy to say. And, and that's the thing that, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling here a little bit. <laughs> that, so overwhelmed. That's, so that's, that's the main thing, right? Is that, and this is why I think games as a whole really need to take a step back and reflect how they are categorized because we tend to categorize games not by how they make you feel, not by the aesthetics, right? But by mechanics, right? So this game's a platformer, right? It's like Mario. You can take two hits. Oh, it's like Mario. You can get powered up. It's like Mario. This game is nothing like Mario. It is closer to Simon, you know? So if somebody said, you know, hey, should I play Super Ghouls and Ghosts? My question shouldn't be, well, do you like platformers? Do you like Mario? Do you like Super Meat Boy? Or do you like Celeste, <laughs> right? The question should be, do you like Simon? Do you want to see a super dressed up version of Simon? And play this game, you know? But we don't really have that type of categorical knowledge of games, you know? Uh, so, yeah, that's why I was just kind of like, when you mentioned the Mario thing, I'm like, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it seems like it's like Mario, but it's not like Mario. There are some 
critical differences that make it emphatically not like Mario. See, and there, there's more of your horror aesthetic. So you start playing and you're like, it's going to be just like Mario. It's nothing like Mario. <laughs> no, the only way I could really say that they drove the horror aesthetic home is, you know, the fourth wall breaking. I mean, this thing breaks the fourth wall better, better than Metal Gear Solid for making <laughs> you into the monster, you know? <laughs> Like, they can have, you know, Mantis sitting there saying, you know, like, oh, I can see into your save file, but this one's the one that really makes you into a demon. <laughs> oh, God, you've played super cool Sim Ghosts. Get, get out of here. No, I... <laughs> Okay, so I do. You, you should not be able to have any type of like <laughs> caregiver role if you've played this game. So I do. I do want to talk about um, the jumping, kind of as it relates to the controls specifically, because as someone with a fairly sophisticated games literacy, I caught myself having to think real hard about how the jumping in this game works, because jumping in this game is unlike any other game i can think of except maybe the first one in the series i assume handles you know the same way but you so when you jump you always jump your full height right so however high you can jump that's how high you jump and if you jump to the left or right you always jump your maximum distance right you cannot arrest your momentum you can't you know lean really hard to the side to get those last few pixels like you oh and the levels are designed around this fact the levels are designed around the fact that you can make jumps of exactly a certain distance and that you get exactly one double jump and you can execute the second jump anywhere in the jump arc. So you have a maximum distance and then you have like a 75% distance, but it's hard to get like a 60% distance, right? So they, they kind of know roughly what your, your options are. Yes. Aside from the double jump, the minute that you jump, you might as well just flash forward to 10 years in the future where you're <laughs> married and have two kids because you are married to that jump arc. Absolutely married to that jump arc. And yeah. you can, uh, you know, throw that jump arc little curveballs like, oh, I'm jumping, I'm single jumping forward and I want to arrest my momentum. So I will let go of the D-pad and double jump and I will jump straight up and then fall straight down. Right. So you can do some fairly clever things. And and again, this is actually in the level design because there's this one spot where it's in the fourth level where you're like climbing this like giant demon tree. And I got to this spot where it, it's hard to describe visually, but it's basically like a V if the, the two lines didn't come all the way together, you know, at, at a point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you have to jump from, you know, it's like a V on its side. So you have to jump from the lower line to the upper line. And by the time I had gotten to the fourth level, I had started to internalize this ability to jump and then double jump in the opposite direction. But because you execute that jump from the air, you do actually gain some height. And so as soon as I saw this like disconnected, you know, uh, almost uh, adjoining lines, I was like, oh, I just need to jump out into nothingness and then jump backward, right? Because there are spikes. You cannot get underneath the line and then jump up. You have to jump out and then back. And visually, the way that information conveyed what needed to be done mechanically to me, I was actually kind of impressed with. Because right before that, in the third level, I died about 100 million times in the lava because there are these little, like, pillars that shoot up out of the lava and I just could not 
reconcile whether I needed to single or double jump between these pillars. And so I mm-hmm. either overshot it and died or massively undershot it and died just a, a crap load. And I'm sure anybody who was watching me on the stream must have just been like, man, this guy sucks. Like, why yeah. is why is he single jumping when he should be double? He's zigging when he should be zagging, right? And like, <laughs> I just couldn't figure it out there but then in the the, like icy snowy level it was immediately obvious like here i need to jump out and then jump back here i need to single jump here i need to double jump so they were desperately trying in the level design to convey the pixel pixel precision that they put into your jump arc that you're super married to the second you execute it but they don't always deliver. There were times when Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, I know exactly what I need to do. And it worked the same every single time I went through that part of the level. And then there were other times where I was like, I've made it through this part of the level, but I I'm not, do I double jump here? Do I single jump? Do I double jump late in the jump or early in the right? Like there was just times where they totally whiffed and granted it's less often than they got it right. But the times they screwed it up and I couldn't internalize it felt harsh like I was just well, super aware of them. Well, and and also because the the game does not lend itself to experimentation, right? So you know, I'm sure that that portion of that level is you know probably 30 seconds at least away from how far back it's going to kick you. You know, so it's not like you can be like, all right, I'm going to try a double jump. No, maybe single jump. No, okay. Well, what if I back up to the very back of the platform and then double jump, or get to the very front of the platform and single jump? All these are different things. Like maybe I need to do this. You know, all of these are. It's great. It's great to experiment. Again, death can be used as a teaching mechanic, right? But <laughs> when when it's so far away from you know you getting to try it again, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You know, and 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 then that that becomes becomes the problem. You know, because there's tons of times in Celeste. I mean, Celeste is exactly the same as far as being just pixel perfect as far as consistency, right? Where I would walk into a room and say, "I think this is what I'm supposed to do," and then I die, and I'd be like, "No, that's not right." <laughs> hmm. What if I did? No, nope. but maybe hmm, this time, you know, and that's fun, right? But when each failed experiment blows up the lab and you have to, you know, find a forest and like pave it down and then build the new structure and then hire new lab techs because all the other ones died in a, according to OSHA, unrelated explosion, (laughs) I'm legally supposed to say, right? And then you build this new lab and you get these new temp laborers in and then it blows up again and you're like, man, what am I doing wrong? Alrighty, well, let's build another lab. You know, it's 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 different than you know if people are dying faster. So the the situation you're describing, when it went right, is where this game managed to speak to me because mm. I am I have played challenge games like I played Celeste all the way through and I love that game to death, but. I don't normally reach for games that make me want to snap my controller into little bits, right? (laughs) So I I do have some experience with them. I have, like, Enter the Gungeon was the same way, right? Like, not something I'm very good at. So for me, there was a tremendous amount of challenge in that game, but I still enjoyed the ever-loving crap out of it. When Super Ghouls and Ghosts, when they successfully started to let me internalize earlier parts of the level. And then there was the same part that I kept dying on over and over, but I saw what I needed to do. And it was just my ability to remember that part of the song, right? Because it's like someone's teaching you a song by rote 
and then when you get to that part of the melody, you're like, uh, C sharp here, I think. And then you play C sharp and you die, right? Because that's the penalty for screwing up a song in this metaphor. Then, <laughs> then it's like, oh, okay. I just have to remember when I get to that part of the melody, not to play a C sharp, right? I, it might be any other note, but it's not a C sharp. And then you get there again and then you try something else and you're like, oh, okay. It's a, it's an F, right? And then, so you get hit because F this, right? <laughs> so you, there it is. <laughs> so you didn't say it. I was kind of, <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw you winding up, but like, <laughs> so you, you get to that part of the melody and you successfully play the right note at the right time. And it does feel super triumphant. You're like, I remembered more of the song, right? And and I say all mm-hmm. that to say this. I got to the sixth level in this game. There are eight levels. Cruelly, they make you play the entire game twice to beat it because they're monsters. And so yep. I got to the sixth level after a lot of playing. I put more hours into this than I care to think about. But in the sixth level, there are these two monsters, and I'm not going to belabor this point, but they move in what seems to be a random way so fast that I was not able to discern what actions I was doing or what things in the environment were making them behave a certain way. So I got, you know, I, I made it through the fourth level and I was feeling really good. And then I made it through the fifth level and actually like a pretty short amount of time. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to internalize how the game functions, how the controls work. And then I got to literally the first like hundred feet of the sixth level where there's these two like demon bat things and they just, I just kept dying and dying and dying. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not learning anything. I don't understand how they move. I don't understand what my actions are doing to make them move the way they're doing. I have no idea how to even approach this problem. Like I, not only do I not know what to do, I don't know how to find out what to do. And that was when that this was in my last play session where I just kind of put the controller down and I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I have gotten out of this game what I came here to get because I'm sure I could go ask someone or I could look it up or if I poured several more hours into it, maybe I could figure this out. But the parts where I was dying because I was not executing correctly, I could feel the little bit of satisfaction when I finally nailed it, right? It wasn't enough satisfaction to make me reach for games like this over and over again, but at least I got that tiny little dopamine hit when I was like, yes, I did it. And then when I got to the beginning of stage six, I was just like, no, this is this is beer without alcohol in it. I don't want this. <laughs> like, there's no reason for me to be suffering this because the effect is not worth, the, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Like, I'm out, I'm hard, hard out. It's like, uh, so I, I think that most games, the reason, <laughs> the reason why we don't like games like this as a general rule is because, you know, we're used to games like, you know, Mario and things like that, that are, are very, very consistently satisfying, right? So what it is, is the people that enjoy games like this, they are still gar in, you know, Dune <laughs> in their still suit. And we are water fat, you know, <laughs> like, like they're used to surviving on drops of dopamine you know that like just barely get them through the game you know (laughs) but they work really really hard and then they get that one little hit and that carries them through and we're sitting there like you know like just fat on all of the dopamine that we've had with all of these other games and uh and and yeah so i think what with that you know are you ready to go to did it hold up? Uh, I have one last thing I wanted to mention just to go out on like a, a nice mechanical note. Um, 
So every level has only the game had an off button. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that they installed that. That was my favorite part. Super thoughtful. (laughs) So the the game has uh, a single checkpoint in the middle of every level. Mm -hmm. And uh, they built in a level select because the game is actually really generous with lives. And it's really generous with continues. Because as you say, death is the only teaching tool they have. And so you, uh, when you die, you start at the checkpoint. When you continue, you also continue from the checkpoint. And if you use the level select to come back to the game to try and work on that one part that you just cannot get through, you can also level select to a checkpoint. So for a game that has one and only one teaching tool, which is the rod, they, they actually were fairly aware of the music-like nature of this because I absolutely agree with you that categorically this is more like a Simon than a Mario, but it's almost like an evolved form of Simon in the sense that you are learning a piece of music. It's a piece of music you play with a controller and it's your thumbs and it's visual, right? But it's, it's much more like memorizing a piece of music. And when you hit a sour note, you have to start the song over, but you can choose to start the song from like the phrase you screwed up. It's not as precise as Celeste where you can choose to start from the note before the one you screwed up, but you can start back like 12 bars instead of having to go back to the beginning of the song every single time, which shows a certain amount of awareness that not everybody likes this kind of game. Not everybody's going to be able to survive on that single daily drop of dopamine. But for the people who are looking for this, it shows a certain amount of awareness on the part of the designers to allow that kind of precision um, selecting of (laughs) where you start from when you come back for your daily single drop of dopamine, right? Like I can go right to the part I was struggling with and work on just that part of the song. That is true, and I and I think that you know the the whole part of the, part of the podcast is does it hold up to modern day standards, right? And so, you know, in in many ways that that premise can be unfair. But that being said, I do think that I agree that they they had all of that. But then my question would be, why have lives at all? You know, I mean that that that's an art. If you made this game today, you wouldn't. It'd be Celeste. Exactly, and that's the thing is that because you know every game had lives you know so we've now learned that if you're gonna do this you super tighten up the cycle time and you just remove the lives mechanic altogether you do not need lives but there were because and that's kind of the way that i think most designers are looking at video games now is that there are a bunch of different tools in the tool belt you know and you pick the ones that you need in order to create a very honed experience in this day in in the time when this game came out there were just things that you did every game had these things you know like you had lives obviously you had lives no matter what you had lives right I, we can pro- i could probably count on one hand the number of li- the number of games that where you don't have lives you know um so so yeah so i mean i i agree you know that 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 it is good that they have you know the continues and it's good that they have a lot of lives and they, it's good that they have all these sorts of things but it's like Oh, you have infinite lives. It's like, well, no, you have nine lives and like five continues, but you start at the same place every time and then you can level select. Well, well, that just sounds like infinite lives, but with a bunch of extra steps. Uh-huh. You know? like, yeah. 
And that's exactly what it is. Is that it's it's this is just like uh, the the teeny verse with uh, with Rick, where it's like, well, that's just slavery with a bunch of extra. It's the exact same thing. So so uh, yes, I mean we're, we're we're there now, right? So like we're now discussing whether or not it held up, and and I uh, do it. Search <laughs> your feelings; you know it to be true. I this game requires no nostalgia goggles. Because you know what Simon is, and you remember what it's like to play a... You know as a person, as a human being, what it is like to memorize things. That's what this game is. And whether or not you understood that as a kid, which I apparently didn't since I... Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind this game out of my memory. Like, (laughs) I understand what this is. And the only thing that makes it an artifact of its time is what I think is an unreasonably long cycle time and uh, the live system. Otherwise the consistency, the, the pinpoint precision in the jumps, the super difficulty and the only way to overcome that challenge is through memorization. Like if you built this game today, you would probably only remove the live system and tighten up cycle time. Otherwise you could leave this basically identical. You might make the parts with RNG slightly less bullshit, but otherwise like the, the layout of the levels, the way the game functions is actually totally modern in that sense, other than those two specific artifacts of that time in history. So although I did not enjoy this game, I'm glad that we played it for the podcast as opposed to me just picking it up because I sunk way more time and effort than I would have into it if I was just like, oh, I remember this game, right? So, like, I'm glad I had this academic experience. I did not enjoy it, but it was a learning experience, and I I have to say no nostalgia goggles needed begrudgingly like there's there's no other way around like i want to crap on this game because it's hard and it was mean to me but like it, it's like if if i was you know walking down the street knowing full well my shoes were untied and i tripped and nelson popped up out of a bush and pointed and laughed at me it's like well, i can't be that mad at him i walked around with my shoes untied and watching someone fall down can be funny like it's not nelson's fault i was walking around with my shoes untied <laughs> And you see, for me, I would say like this game requires full nostalgia goggles because <laughs> because of the, the things that you said to me. I mean, like, like, yes, if you were to make this game today, all you do is just remove the lives and shorten up the cycle time. And if you wanted to create a utopia, you would just make a prison without the shankings and you could leave whenever you want. You know, like, <laughs> like there, <laughs> there are some of the only two things about prison that are bad. <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, but but I mean, the, the the point being is that there are tons of things where, you know, if not for this one completely broken thing, there would be no problems. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, driving car would be fine if not for the traffic and the fact that you could die, you know, like so. So from my seat, you know, the and, and, and this is something we've discussed before where like I am just for whatever reason, hypersensitive to cycle time, you know, like there's, there's definitely areas to that. The, the where, place where I just lost my mind was on the water level where I couldn't even control how fast I was moving through the level, you know? Well, like and it, I, I think the raft is about the same speed as walking, but because you're not controlling it, it feels slower. Yeah, it feels like it takes 22 forevers, you know? Um, I think that just the, the poor telegraphing and the fact that you just die and die and die and, you know, you don't... It 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 beca- and and you can't really improvise and I really enjoy improvis- improvisation in in games you know, um, 
yeah, to me, it, it's 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 nostalgia goggles required. I think that if I had you know Simon in one hand and Super Ghouls and Ghosts in the other, I would just bury the ghouls and ghosts in that zombie crate and move on. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land battling evil fighting the darkness just sword in hand your memories creeping with the edge of a smile you realize again what you lost for a while you're gonna think back much less 